Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan. And in case you're unfamiliar, this is Keep, Sell, Loan, Part 2, all about the midfielders. And we've got... Uh, essentially entrenched guest Joe Tweeds joining us again for the third year of this. And as always, just good friend of the pod. Love hanging out with Tweeds. Welcome back, sir. Yeah, good to be back, guys. Let's talk some midfielders. <laughs> All right. And we use midfielders broadly because obviously we've seen a lot of different formations. We've seen people uh, like Mason Mount, who's been an attacker, been a midfielder, whatever. So we're just using it as a broad uh, way to describe these players and where they use it's a big roam about it's a big pitch. tent position brandon <laughs> yeah there's a big tent that a lot of people get to come to and live under the yeah, the moniker of midfielder yep absolutely um all right well no shout outs because we did those in part one uh so right into it as we did last time gonna add some context so likely transfers in ones that we feel like have a really good chance probably happening kai Averts. uh yeah anyone else it's probably done by now, actually, <laughs> if, if everything's gone to plan. Uh, rumored transfers in Declan Rice. I don't know, Tweeds, if you want to to elaborate a little bit on on Deckers and, and if he's coming and what he might add to the team. Because we bucketed him as a midfielder, but we know he's yeah. the center back DM type player. Yeah, I think to, to sort of put the, the right context there, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's probably no secret at this point that uh, Chelsea are big admirers of him. Um, equally that uh, Declan Rice's really subtle use of social media over the past couple of weeks that he <laughs> he might potentially want to come back to Chelsea. Um, I think that what he represents for me, certainly I would say maybe this this year, so from January onwards, his growth as a holding player has been enormous. I wasn't very I wasn't very sold in the beginning of the season. I felt he looked to me a little bit like he was a centre back playing in midfield, but then sort of from January onwards, this sort of I wouldn't say it was like a massive change for me, but there, there's something that's sort of changed in his game. I think he now looks really super, super comfortable. Um, and I think that the, the point that I'll sort of continue to make through through this is that if Chelsea want to effectively play this kind of super attacking style of football, you know, Havertz, um, potentially Pulisic, Werner, et cetera, Zayek, Mount, you know, all these sort of guys going forward next season, Tammy, Jiri, I mean, there's loads of guys to choose from. You need to have a, a proper anchor man in midfield. Not a not someone who is a passer, not someone who is a dribbler. You need to have someone in there who is um, 
defensively astute, who is excellent at reading play, excellent at covering space. Um, you know, they have to effectively be able to play sideline to sideline in this Chelsea midfield. There's no concept of, of them being able to sort of just cover the middle third of, of the, the, the sort of pitch vertically. They need to really be able to help, help fullbacks out in transition. Um, and I think Rice, for me, I, I mean, he's probably one of the, the, the better examples you can find in Europe at the moment. I mean, there are a couple that I like abroad, but Chelsea are not really linked with them. But talking about a player that is, certainly for me, has the potential to be a starting calibre defensive midfielder of a Chelsea who will protect the back four, screen the back four, who brings aerial presence, who brings leadership, who brings communication, who brings a lot of intangible stuff to the team. Um, I think Rice is, is the guy. And the thing is as well, I mean, he potentially gives you the freedom to, to only carry three centre-backs as well if you really want to. Um, you know, I think he's, you know, he certainly started West Ham in the Championship. He's played a lot as a centre-back in in, um, in sort of professional terms when he sort of broke into the West Ham team. Um, also, as, a, as an academy player, he was pretty much a centre-back by trade. So I think he gives you that flexibility to drop in and play as a fourth choice if you really need to. But, you know, I think he's got a lot better on the ball in terms of his passing. Um, you know, I think his, his just general game for me has improved so much, you know, using, checking both shoulders and receiving the ball, all these sort of little things and little technical details that make or separate good players from great players. I think he's sort of trending in that direction. So it's, um, yeah, it's no surprise that Chelsea are interested. Um, you know, I, I don't think at the moment, unless we were talking about a certain Welshman in a bit, but I don't think at the moment we've really got the right profile of player in the team to play as the six that Lampard wants to allow, you know, the the two centre midfielders to attack, to allow the front three to attack, to allow even the fullbacks to get forward. So I think Rice is is an interesting um, choice. And, and certainly if Chelsea can get the the, the deal done, um, I think he would add an absolutely enormous amount to that midfield as well. That's why we have Danny Drinkwater, though, guys. Danny Drinkwater meets all that criteria, and so we don't even need to buy Rice, so I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> He's on our list of players we will not be talking about today, so Gosh, he man. already exceeded... Breaking the rules. He already exceeded his his seconds allotted. So, uh, And then loans. Uh, it sounds like Bakayoko is pretty likely. Fabrizio um, speaking very openly about him going back to AC Milan. So first player up would be Mason Mount. Uh, potentially Chelsea's player of the year. Uh, a lot going on around about him. His contract goes through the summer of 2024, so we've got him locked in, no worries. Um, keeps across the board. Uh, so, Dan or Tweeds, we didn't, you know, we, we had our discussion if he was player of the season or not. I think Nick was the only one of us three that, that said yes. So, um, what? you said keep. What? Man. <laughs> Nick and Dan were both uh, yes on Mason Mount for player of the season. No, you it had was... Aspie. No, no, you had Aspie and Phil had Aspie. Yeah. And actually, Phil, after hearing the com- comments of one Nick Verlaney and one Dan Dormer, was mm. uh, almost turned. Uh, I'm in charge. I, I create the narrative. So, anyways. <laughs> but anyways, uh, tweeds. Fake news. Anyways, tweeds. <laughs> Mason Mount, we're all keeping across the board. Uh, how I guess, you know, what's his role moving into next season yeah and uh just to just to add to that yeah he was he was also my player of the season as well um i, th- I think the the interesting thing with mason is that I, I think if you look at a lot of probably all of chelsea's good performances this season mason has played um i'm, I'm not super keen on him as a winger i'm not super keen on him when he plays um sort of more of a kind of distinct sort of number 10 role I think those two, I think he's still he's still very useful. He has a lot of useful qualities, but I think the, the more we saw him kind of transition to more of like a traditional central midfield role towards the latter part of the season, that's when you really saw the best out of him. And, you know, his his appetite to work, his his ability to press, to create pressures, to turn the ball over, to be the guy who sets the tone in the team. You know, for, for someone of his age, his defensive skill set is crazy. You don't really, certainly for young English players who have been kind of, I suppose, marketed as sort of number 10s or sort of attacking midfielders. You don't really see this sort of skill set in them. So I think that uh, going forward, yeah, he's he's looking for me to be probably one of the, the central midfielders. I think that's his best position. He just offers so much to the team. Yes, you know, there's lots he needs to work on. Some decision-making in the final third, when to pass, when to shoot, you know, when to make some of those decisions. Um, maybe playing some riskier balls here and there, you know, backing and backing his own ability. But I think in terms of what... Lampard, Morris and Edwards are trying to achieve the style of football that they're trying to sort of imbue within the club. Mount is critical. You know, his ability to just set the tone of exactly what it is that Lampard's after 
in terms of pressing, counter-pressing, in terms of the speed which he normally plays when he has the ball. You know, he's quite efficient. You won't see him just carry the ball for no reason. You won't see him sort of do inefficient actions. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really high on him. I think he has a, a, an ability to sort of solidify himself next season. But, yeah, I think one of the, if we're playing 4-3-3, one of those sort of central midfield positions is, is probably his to lose at this point in time. Um, and again, you know, with a lot of these young players, first season in the Premier League, he's got so much room to grow and develop as well. And I think certainly from, from watching him from Vitesse, you know, through Derby, through Chelsea, the growth season is quite tangible. So, you know, I, I expect him to make another big step next season again to sort of solidify himself and, and be more consistently towards the top end of his performance level as well. But I'm keeping him, yeah. <laughs> All right. Simple. Simple, simple, simple. I think Mason's yeah. going to have a huge role. I think we've all talked extremely highly. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, even with, uh, with Matt Law, you know, eight out of 10 on his season. The, the Frank loves him, so he's going to have every opportunity to succeed. Um, really excited to see where he goes. And just his smile, like he's just he's such a likable guy. I'm so happy for him. You want to see the end product pay off the work. Right. Like, I think that's the that's probably the area that I would look at and say, look, man, you've, you've done the hard part. Right. You won the ball back in midfield. Uh, and then, you know, there were there were at times this season where he would get into the box or crowd out another player in the box. I think we're going to have so much attacking talent up front this year. He'll find more space on a late run than he did this year by by a mile. So I'm hoping that's the case. Yeah. I mean, he only had two less goals than he had all season at Derby last year, and he went up from the championship to the Premier League. So I, mean, I, I think your point is well made, Nick, that he does need to improve in that area. But I think making the transition and showing that he's capable of doing it and the consistency of just playing in every <laughs> every match that he could outside of, I think, one FA Cup first rounder is pretty impressive. So. Well, and don't forget, well assists and, and chance creation is will be highly valuable with the weapons around yeah. him as well. So it'll be great. Um, Jorginho on contract until summer of 2023. Um, we all said sell, but in very different ways, I would like <laughs> to point out. Uh, Tweeds with the classic sell. Nick says, fare thee well. Dan says, throw him out of the club, sell, sell, sell. And I said, cash in to find a player that fits the squad's needs better. And then in all caps, I have no anti-Jorginho agenda, so don't at me. Because that's the easy thing. Jorginho is such a specialty player, Tweeds. He does a certain thing really, really well with the transition from Rizzo Sarr to Frank Lampard. As much as Lampard praised him at the beginning of the season, he didn't even feature at the end of the season. So I think we've realized that Frank is looking for a different type of player. Nothing more egregious or spiteful than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, my my viewpoints on Jorginho <laughs> are fairly well known. The, uh, the Georgenda, as it's officially known as. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it comes to a point now where I think he's he's sort of naturally run his course in the team. Um you know, the sort of the, the control possession style of game that he probably suits for sort of the shorter passing and sort of more more touches, more trying to look to sort of manipulate teams sort of into jumping out and stuff like that. It's all well and good, but I think we can see that Lampard wants to pay, play at a certain pace. And I, you know, he, he made some very pointed comments. I think it was after the FA Cup final about, you know, going a goal up and players just quite happy to play little five-yard passes to each other like it's five-a-side. Um for me, it's a, it's a very clear critique of, of both Jorginho and, and maybe Kovacic as well in terms of their their sort of way that they were quite willing to play the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sort of completely sort of dunk all over him, but, uh, you know, it, it comes to a point where I think defensively, you know, you can show me all of the statistics in the world that show that he's the greatest defender. I can rebuke sort of all of them if I really want to in terms of going in depth on them. I mean, you know, his, his interception statistic... If you go into any game and look at any sort of the heat maps and match actions and where things are recorded, I don't care that my holding midfielder is, is recording interceptions in the opponent's final third. I want him to be in front of my back four, screening the back four, intercepting passes that are dangerous towards our goal. Same with winning challenges, you know. Um, someone's like, you know, he wins more tackles than Kante there. Again, I don't care that he's, I don't want him pressing centre-backs. I don't want him pressing full-backs. I want him to be in front of the back four, screening the back four, making tackles when someone's trying to shoot or trying to run into the penalty area. 
you know, there, there, are, there are actions that he has uh, good stats on, which if you look at the context in terms of where they are on the pitch, they just mean nothing. Um, and that's why when I made the point about Declan Rice, just standing, literally just standing in front of the back four is an improvement to this team. Um, you know, I think hopefully there are still suitors for Giorgio in Italy. You know, the pace of the, 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 the game over there, the way that midfields generally are slightly more zonal than, than man-to-man in terms of how teams generally set up defensively. It all kind of suits him. Um, and, you know, for, regardless of, of sort of the, 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 the maybe some of the good games he's had here. But, uh, you know, I just think from a defensive standpoint and just in terms of the general pace of play that he plays at, he just doesn't suit Lampard's system and the style of play that the club want to have going forward. So, yeah, it, it's a sell. Um, and then for me, I would like to concentrate all of the funds in getting in, as you say, a profile of player who can um, sort of execute the role that Lampard wants. And as, as much as people will will kind of push this as some sort of overly Brexit or a very agricultural opinion. The person playing in that position needs to be pretty athletic. You know, Lampard has um, pretty significant requirements on that player to be able to cover the two central midfielders. You know, we attack with lots of numbers. You've got to be able to cover in fullbacks if we lose the ball in transition. You know, so many times this season where he lost the ball with Kovacic and Jorginho ahead of the ball. And then teams are sort of just sprinting at our back four. You even need to have the ability to get back there. You know, you've either got to be that quick that you can recover. Um, or your positional sense has got to be better. So one or the other, but, you know, we need someone who is athletic, who is strong, who can play that position properly at the, in the Premier League for Chelsea and how Lampard wants to play it. And it's, it's, it's that for me. So hopefully you say he's, uh, you know, there's still interest in him from Italy. Hopefully we can get a deal done and then try to bring in someone potentially who, who can execute the role as to, uh, as to Lampard's requirements. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the simple thing is he just doesn't fit the system. And, uh, you know, I think yeah, yeah, that... Yeah. That happens with specialty players. We've seen it with Alonzo being semi-transitioned into a back four. We, you know, we've seen this time after time when when you buy a player that's suited to a manager, Kepa maybe even as one of those players too. It's it's I, I, it's less on him for me and more on what he's mm-hmm. expected to do. I don't mm-hmm. believe that's the case. Like he's going to be able to do what Lampard wants him to do. So that's it. Yeah, I mean, he had a uh, career-high number of yellow cards this season at, I think, 13. And so it just didn't doesn't have the kind of the either the pace or the ability to position appropriately in the way that we're playing. Um, and, you know, if you do add someone who is a, a little bit of a notch above there in terms of screening the defense, as Joe pointed out, how much better would the defense have been this season too? Because I think we, we talk a lot about the failings of the defense. Uh, you defend as a team. And if that person who is, you know, playing in that in that six is not giving the fullbacks or the center backs a little bit of additional support, it, it's all going to fall apart. And so, yeah, it, it's just it's his time. It, we can't afford him as a, a luxury player on the team anymore, Brandon. And and eighty nine per eighty point nine percent agree. Uh, sell from our <laughs> yep. uh, Instagram poll. Yeah, eighteen point nine percent keep point two percent sell. Or I'm sorry, loan. So it just. Again, it's nothing personal. He probably is still a fantastic player. It just doesn't fit the league. Lampard, a couple of different things. And and so, hey, look, City want to come in, splash the cash. They were big on him a couple of seasons ago. Um, I mean, it's just, it is what it is for this guy. It's just, it's not the right fit. And I think that that's a, and that's okay. There's no deep-seated hate for this player like some people do. Also shows you, we backed Maurizio Sarri's players. And, well, now Maurizio Sarri's gone and, don't need these specialty players. Puts us in a tough predicament. Uh, Mateo Kovacic brought him in. He's under contract through 2024 after making the loan move permanent last summer. Uh, keep, but Dan and Jose rotate. So, I mean, Dan, what do you mean by rotate? Well, I'm just thinking about the structure of where the team is going to be next season. And if you think about trying to fit in a Havertz, trying to fit in a Mount where Conte sits, if we bring in someone like Declan, the amount of midfield minutes are going to start to disappear for what you would kind of consider your your starting three. And so I think Kovacic is going to end up becoming, most likely, I, I, I view him as the one who would be the first to potentially lose out on a starting role and become a lockdown player for the last 20 to 30 minutes in a match. If you're it's winning. Just, yeah, if you're winning. Yeah, I think he ends up becoming the person there to uh, add a little bit into the game. But uh, Joe, are you seeing it the same way? Just I, I think of, you know, in my mind, 
if you're going to have a Declan or a Conte kind of be the the shield, the other two midfielders on the pitch have to be people that are going forward and offering more goal creating actions, and that's just not where Kovacic is. You know, it, it, where his specialty lies. Yeah, I think for for me, this has probably been my my most oh, I don't know if it's controversial is the word, but my most controversial opinion of the season. When certainly when the player of the year shouts are coming for Kovacic, um, I don't really see the value of him in in the team, and I'll, I'll caveat that this with the sort of the general way that I see the game. So I think when Chelsea play like elite top level teams that Kovacic has a lot of value, you know, for me, it's a lot about retaining possession, trying to recycle the ball, trying to sort of build slowly, create attacks, etc. That for me, I think Kovacic generally against Liverpool city, etc. He's played pretty well in the bigger games this season. I think he was pretty good against Bayern first leg. Um, but the majority of teams Chelsea playing, it's not of that level. You know, I'd say probably 80% of the teams we play against are teams where they they will sit back. We are expected to attack, attack, attack. We are expected to sit there and break them down. And to to, to Dan's point, for a player that I think is is an incredible, technically proficient player, I think his 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 footwork, everything about him is fantastic. When he moves into the final third, when there is an onus on him to create, when there's an onus onus on him to to break teams down, to to kind of pick the lock, it's just not there. And, and I think that the point would be that if, if he had that in his locker, if he had that ability, he would still be at Real Madrid. You know, he would still be a player who, who can play at sort of the absolute top level. So when I've kind of put into, in terms of rotating, I think certainly the way that Lampard wants to play, if he gets the holding player that he wants, both of those central midfielders will be expected to create, to score, to, to have an impact in the final third. Of all of Kovacic's ability to dribble and his ability to play under pressure, there are a number of games this season, even in the, the, the restart, the bubble period. Um, Villa, I think, was one of them where he literally just got the ball and just kept playing five-yard passes to the right back every single time he touched it. Um, so on that basis, I just I don't think he has the skill set that Lampard really wants in that position for the majority of games that we'll play against. So if you have someone like... Uh, you know, it's kind of a little bit, I think, why, why Ross Barkley was getting not ahead of him at times. I'm not the biggest Ross Barkley fan by any definition. But he will shoot. He has the ability to, to, to score. We've seen him score goals. He can be a bit more creative. Um, so for me, I think he's a great squad player. I think he probably would be one of almost sort of the sixth man equivalent in that he will probably still play and start a lot of games. Um, but the, the 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 games that Chelsea fell down in this season were not the Liverpools, you know, the Uniteds. I think we, we did largely play well in the bigger games. It was against the Bournemouths, the West Hams, where they just sat back and they expected us to break teams down. And there I see that he has... For me, next to no value being on the pitch. So for me, that that's why I would say that he he's a he's a squad player. It, it really depends on how you look at the squad, right? So there are a couple of comments see, here. Yeah. Um, if you're in a four-three-three, I would agree that there is some flexibility with him um, to swap in with Gilmore and Conte in that kind of deeper lying role. I don't think you're ever in a position now, thankfully, where you have to play him in an advanced midfield role. Um, but on the flip side, if you're playing a two-man midfield. I see a ton of value in him, right? Because I think where we've seen maybe Mason or, or some of our other players in that pivot role uh, suffer a, a little bit because they want to get forward and can't really get forward as, as well. Um, I think I think he has a lot of uh, defensive uh, value there. So I, I the other thing I worry about him, Brendan, is the injuries. Like he's been injured quite a bit. I think he's had kind of a lingering Achilles and some other problems. So. I'd rotate for sure, and and there will be plenty of chances for him to play. Uh, yeah, interesting player. Um, Wild, he went from kind of, uh, an overwhelming player of the season candidate to post restart, kind of falling off. Um, as you talk about the recruitment, Frank is either saying, "Hey, I've already got enough guys at this certain profile, like Kovacic. I'm going to go get guys wildly different." Or he's saying, no, I don't like the profile of the players I'm going, that I have. I'm going to go get guys that are wildly different because that's what I want. So it's kind of easy to see there. But if you get into like a 4-2-2-2 a two, two, two type formation, where, you know, or 4-2-3-1, where Kante Kovacic can almost be you know, staggered a little bit, and then you have literal, literal four attacking players in front of them, Kovacic just needs to get the ball maintain the ball, turn away from pressure and get it to a guy and just essentially like get it to them and let them go. Yeah, he he can probably have some value, but it's 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 definitely interesting to see how the way Frank is building this team and now we're looking back at some of these players going, mm, 
you know, a few months ago, absolutely. Now I'm like, well, hey, he, it looks he's like we a got good some money. one. We got options. We can do stuff. He is a good one for your European, you know, kind of flex squad though, Brandon. Yeah, because I think he he does hold a ton of value playing against teams like that, and can certainly break lines and and that kind of. Uh, area so in, in a pivot against a european team i think he'd be dynamite yeah all right well, let's go to our most controversial player on the team uh world <laughs> cup winner in golo Conte. controversial in the sense that he's just a tease you just wonder he's controversial in the fact like how much do you love him you know like that's <laughs> well according to our script uh i said keep and heal him <laughs> Blessings. Dan says keep. Nick said blue heart emoji. And Tweed said keep unless <gasps> someone bids silly money. Tweeds, give me a dollar. Give me an amount. What's silly? So let's see. Conte is on contract to 2023. And what is he? 29? 29? 29 now. So a little bit of context. How much is silly money for a 29-year-old with uh, three years left on his contract? could see PSG playing paying 80 85 mil for him something like that even even United if they wanted to pair him with Pogba maybe 70 minimum kind of there but uh I mean the thing is with Kante and and this is I think maybe the the only pair that I've really looked at with with a pure business context here is that the the mounting injuries and his style of play I think that if he loses that explosion that athleticism his ability to just, I mean, run the, the amount that he does during games. I think he's such a physically gifted player. If that, you know, decreases significantly, I'm not sure really what kind of player you're going to be going to be left with. Um, I would like to see him transition, see if he can transition to being more of a number six. So he doesn't have to sort of do the, be the guy who's pressing, sort of doing all the chasing, be just use his defensive instincts more. Um, you know, even though I, I don't think at the moment he's really, he's really got, got it sort of perfectly kind of in place so the games we've seen, he still has a tendency to sort of hunt people down. Um, if he can conserve himself and can be sort of retrained to be the number six, um, sit more, you know, kind of change his game, not not be the guys pressing, chasing, harrying, um, more of you know he he plays very box to box at the moment. Then then by all means I'd keep him. But you know if we're talking about you know earlier with Zuma in terms of like Sailor Wassets and Christensen, you know I think if someone came in for seventy mil, it'd be difficult to to let him go. But equally, if you could then spin that to someone who is twenty two, twenty three. You know who could be the the guy in midfield for the next five seasons? Then I would I would find it difficult to, to turn that down. Um, but my my other scenario with him is that yeah he is kind of retrained. You know we have enough guys who can do the do, do the pressing, do the, the the sort of the shuttle work in those two central midfield roles, and that he is sort of refocused as a as a pure number six where he just sits and and anticipates and breaks things up. Doesn't feel the need to be the guy who is doing all of the defensive work. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and I think certainly. You know, if, if PSG came in with like a big bid, um, I, I would be be interested to see what the club do with that. Yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's no, no, you know, deceit behind the fact that like his best years are behind him. But the thing is, where he's at is still a really high level. And, you know, we're getting some really good young players in. They're not world class yet. He is kind of your last remaining world class player, which is always like, you know, we're we're hedging our bets on younger players to develop yes. into world class players. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like you said, if we can kind of limit what he needs to do in a match and, and just let him kind of save the legs a little bit, hopefully, and, and not put as many miles on. Yeah, hopefully that can of, extend his his career with Chelsea and see him out through his contract at a minimum. So I mean everyone think, loves him. There's no, yeah. no think, argument. Think about yeah, your, yeah. He's 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 by far both in terms of like one of the most likable players, but just in terms of yeah of talent and output as well. He's, he's definitely up there. Think about your formation opportunities too, right? Like mm-hmm. in a three, four, three, I think he's one of your two uh, midfielders and kind of the center in a four, three, three. I think Joe's point about him kind of deploying as a six is, is astute. And I think maybe given how Lampard shaded during the restart, that that is possibility. And in a four, two, three, one, or, or some, you know, kind of formation where you have four attackers instead of three, you know, I think he's certainly one of the, the two pivot opportunities that you have. So, uh, you know, agreed with everything that's been said here. He's pr- he's probably not going to reach the heights that he had in 2016, 17 um, again. But, uh, yeah, you'd be you'd be pressed to find a better destroyer uh, in the league right now. So keep him. How about 
Ruben Loftus Cheek. Under contract till the summer of 2024. Essentially spent all last season rehabbing from the ruptured Achilles. I hate that word. Ugh. Um, <laughs> finally got some minutes at the end of the season. Great praise from Lampard. Said he's training well, putting in the work to, to rehab, to recover. Um, a little bit of a different here. So I had keep if minutes are available for him, but he has to play to build his confidence. Think back of his Crystal Palace time. Dan's is just loan. He needs to play in the first team. Nick, keep if he'll play, loan if not, needs football. Tweeds, keep until January, loan depending on football. So I think we're all in the same boat, is that in a perfect world, he stays and plays for Chelsea. But with the signings and the way things are going, it's like, hey, more important are the minutes for him. So, I mean, I think that's where we're at, Dan, is is really I think we're all being real- realistic and maybe, you know, I'll let Tweeds clarify his standpoint. It's, it's really a loan is probably the best thing for him as far as we're concerned. I think – it's a matter of the fact that Chelsea need to understand what we have in our hands with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Is he going to be someone that through his career will only ever be able to play 50% of a season, 60% of a season due to lingering issues? This season is the abnormality with the Achilles issue, but we've seen back problems previously. We've seen him in spurts and then out of the team for periods as well. You know, he had a, a really strong run at Crystal Palace when he was there. He came back. We're very excited in what he was going to bring into the team. And ha- hasn't really been able to put a foothold in, not because he's not talented, not because he isn't a strong footballer, but because he can't keep himself healthy. And I think, Joe, this is the conundrum where it seems like everybody likes Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He was that first academy player that was starting to break through in a period of time and everybody was rallied around him, but has not been able to land a starting position in this team. And I I think where I'm coming from from alone right now is I'm just looking at who is going to gobble up the majority of the minutes to start the season. And I guess I prefer or would rather that he go out to a Premier League side that would play him as a starter for 60 to 70 minutes a game. at the right at the start of the season versus him potentially being rotational or being a sub for 20 to 30 minutes a game that potentially brings him into a starting role eventually. Yeah, this is a, this is an interesting one for me. Um, You know, I think people will know that I've been a very, very long-term fan of Loftus-Cheek. But, you know, there's a saying certainly from, from Mike Zimmer that, you you know, you can't make the club if you're in the tub. Um, So that the fact that he, unfortunately, is is plagued by these sort of injuries over, you know, just a, a significant period of his career. I'm hopeful that that, that he can get over them, but there, there comes a point where you have to be a little bit realistic about his his capacity. Um, you know, I think that this season will largely dictate, I think, the rest of his career, whether that's at Chelsea or elsewhere. Um, you know, I think he noticeably looked a lot slimmer when he came back in the, in the sort of post-COVID area that he's obviously been working a lot on flexibility, being a bit more agile, being a bit less bulky, obviously, with the back issues. Um, he wasn't particularly, I would say, wasn't particularly great. I mean, it was to be expected, really, in terms of his comeback. I mean, we, I don't think anyone was expecting him to be to hit the ground running. Um, but all of this aside, and I think that the, the continuing thing or the, the sort of the thing on the side is that, you know, we have seen certainly that little period under Sari where he got into the team. That there is a player in there that, you can't really buy in terms of European football that the combination of size and technique and, and his ability to to just bust through midfields. You know, we saw it in the Europa League a lot. We started to see it a lot in the Premier League. Um, you know, that kind of little period of football that you had towards the end of that season, you kind of cling to that as saying, well, even if Chelsea go and get all these fantastic players, if you could get that version of Ruben for 50 games a season, still be quite hard pressed to not maybe put him in the team somewhere. Um, but it comes back to that, that sort of critical point of, you know, if you're looking at potentially Havertz, you're looking at Mount, you're looking at, um, you know, Zayek, who can play the Barkley, Kovacic, uh, you know, Jorginho is still here, potentially Ethan Ampadu. I mean, that is an incredibly crowded room. And if, you're, if you've only got three spots to fill, he's possibly, you know, he can, he can obviously play in both of, the, both of the central midfield roles. I'm of the opinion that he could probably play as a six still. Um, from his sort of academy days, but you know he would ha- that would take a lot of adjustment from him at this point in his career. Um, but he's not uh, he's not sure in to start at the moment, given given obviously the the, the post injury form and everything that's kind of taken place um, in terms of his career. So 
yeah, I think, you know, you, I would take a view on him in January. I think for me, that's the most sensible thing to do. Um, you know, if he comes back and he starts hitting form and starts playing well, again, I think he's such a unique option to have in midfield because you, you just don't, you just don't see it. You know, you've maybe got Paul Pogba who has that sort of similar ability and physique and ability on the ball. Um, you know, we kind of forget as well that, that Ruben did, did score 10 goals. I think he got five, six assists in, in probably about 15, 1600 minutes of football. And in a team that, that maybe, I mean, we don't really have that kind of sort of output in, in terms of our midfield combination. That, that for me, you know, that, that almost 20 goals a season from, from midfield in terms of assists and goals potentially from him is, is a big thing to sort of ignore. So, you know, I want to be positive and say, yeah, it'd be nice to see him come back. But I think realistically, you know, you see what you have in terms of the, the beginning part of the season um, and then take a view, I think, probably in January where he goes out on loan. Um, but I think, yeah, this, this season coming up is probably the most important in his career. I think he's done all of the physical stuff now in terms of rehabbing, um, in terms of slimming down, in terms of all of the stuff you'd expect him to do. Now it's about, as you say, with Ruben, it's always been about locomotion. He needs a couple of games to get up to speed. He needs to kind of get that, that confidence in himself. And then you start seeing the player that, that we've seen kind of in, in patches. Um, but whether he's going to have the opportunity to do that at Chelsea or not, it, it seems unlikely. So potentially, you know, you get you give him till January and then you let him go and play for the, the second half of the season. Um, and if you've, if you've got a really, really strong opinion, I think, you know, potentially you send him on loan early as well so that he gets acclimatised with the team. Depend, it depends how strong you feel that the other midfielders are going to are going to give you sort of potentially what he he can. Yeah, but it's a tricky one. Yeah, I I would say on this like we're all rooting for him so hard. You know, just yeah. I I I think to Joe's many points, he's probably the most dynamic eight that we're going to have in the team. And I I would throw Havertz in there too. I just I don't know physically if Havertz is going to have anything close to what Ruben has at the peak of his powers. And I would say if you were to kind of max out potential for each one of our kind of attacking midfielders, he might grade out higher than almost anyone just given his like limited output and his physical stature. Like he's, he's incredible when he's on it. Um, it's just, can he be on it for an extended period of time is the question. And so uh, I, I will say that I'm probably the most bullish on him breaking through this season than, than anyone in the group. I, I am just, this is one I'm leaning into my heart more than my head, admittedly, and that's okay because you you got to have those players that you really root for. Um, and I and I hope he does it because again, said it a thousand times, there are so many matches in such a short amount of time that Mason Mount's not going to be able to play every game and press the way that he does three games a week. It's just not possible. So I'm hoping that that everything kind of comes together for him. Uh, well, the Twitter poll has 90.2% keep, 5.5% sell, 4.3% loan. I think, again, loan you know, is where I went, and it's because we love him and want to see him get there. He's 24, will turn 25 late January, so he still has prime years ahead of him. And maybe it's one saying since he doesn't have so many minutes, he might be able to, once he finds that rhythm, play later into his career. Um but you know, we we gotta get him confidence. We gotta get him minutes, and, and and then we can bring him back, and he can be the star that we all want him to be for for Chelsea. So, um, but we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, we got Barkley, Ampadu, Gilmore, Connor Gallagher, Tino Andrian, and a couple of the academy prospects as well. So, thanks to the sponsor for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, as promised, Ross the boss Barkley under contract until the summer of twenty twenty three. Uh, the decisions go sell from myself, keep from Dan, sell from Nick and Joe. And again, I said sell just to find a better option that fits the team. I'm a team player, guys. It's not like I don't like Ross. I just he doesn't fit the team and what the team needs. You know, he's a he's definitely an attacking midfielder. Can't defend worth a squat. Uh, some he's great when he can just react if he has time and space to think. Uh, Nick, that's when we tend to see the the Barkley we don't like as much. And obviously you were on the cell train as well. Yeah, I, I just, I'm looking at the midfield options, right? And there, there's only, you know, you can't have 12 midfielders in, in a, you know, squad composition. No? So, um, yeah, I know Man United like to buy eight or nine midfielders a window. So it's, you know, sell them to him. Uh, you know, I, I, I had wished that this went better. Uh, and I think that he definitely showed flashes after the restart that he can be the kind of player that, you know, maybe a preseason end of season. 
yeah, like a, a, a Newcastle or one of those men table teams could really use as like a, a primary midfield goal scorer. Like I think he has that in his locker still. I just don't with the talent around him at Chelsea, I just don't see it ever really happening. And if that's the case, then you gotta sell him and and make way for a, a younger player like a Connor Gallagher to me that is is already kind of part of the structure. So yeah. Mm. Dan, you're the only one, one to keep. Defend yourself. Rotation. Just like Kovacic being a rotation option, you're not going to hopefully start someone like Mount or Havertz every single game. You are going to have to play someone in there. I think this is also dependent. I think that Ruben goes out on loan. You know, so I'm kind of, you know, all of these are domino effects, right? If you know, Ruben goes out on loan to get first team football, you need to keep someone in the side. Uh, you also have to have, uh, we've got enough now, but it's, uh, it's always good to have a couple of English players in the side too, from just kind of squad building as well. Um, yeah, I mean, just he'll come in, he'll rotate, he'll give us some decent minutes, he'll score a couple of goals, and um, then we can kind of make a move on him next season. But uh, yeah, if if Connor Gallagher stayed, I would probably be more resent to less resent to like sell him. Um, You're the one making the decisions. Time. Does Connor Gallagher? We'll we'll find out later. But this is this is your <laughs> world that you get to live in. Barkley rotation. Um, Tweeds, not that we need to pile on Dan at all, but I don't think this is the team you need to worry about having enough English players in right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Academy I mean, FC, if, baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if he's uh, well, if he if he transforms into his final form of Barcaldino, then we'll uh, <laughs> and he obviously he's he's replacing his uh, his English passport with his lesser known Brazilian um, secondary passport. But uh, yeah, he 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 just amuses me whenever I see him because he literally can play one game where you're like, ah, oh, okay. So this is, this is where the hype has been for like the X amount of years of his career. And then the next four games, you're like, ah, oh, okay, this is the player that we signed for 15 million pounds or whatever it was. Um, you know, such a massive gap between his like good performances, which they are good. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that he hasn't played well in games, but then, you know, you can, you can watch him the next week and just be like, ah, oh, okay. Now he looks like a competition winner and you're like, okay, that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think certainly in terms of like getting some decent money for him, you know, if we've we've more than sort of covered the, the transfer fee at this point in terms of him. So, you know, if you can get 25 mil for him, something like that, and invest it in another player, uh, potentially give someone else in the, the academy a go. But yeah, he's he's okay as a squad player if you absolutely wanted to keep him around. But my preference would be to, to sell him at this point in his career. Just so that he can also, for his own benefit, actually play regularly as well. When we bought him, the whole idea was, oh, instant profit. We're just going to flip him just like an HGTV house hunter show, like no problem. Um, and I would, years later. And I would say that like Frank's given him every chance. Like if, if Barkley does something well, Frank puts him in again. But there's no consistency. And so that's where like I'm to the point where, hey, glimpses and flashes isn't good enough. We want to compete on multiple fronts. We want to solidify ourselves top two, top three in the league, all these things. Like it, th- these guys have to be reliable for Frank so we can build week after week. And, and again, Barkley, he just two steps forward, one step back. And it's just we never really make any progress. So that's kind of my uh, a bit of a, an annoyance on him. Uh, the next one we have is uh, Aloni returning. Ethan Ampadu under contract until the summer of 2023. Didn't have the greatest loan spell, uh, I think he would he would say, um, as far as it went in Germany. Uh, had a great little performance cameo against Spurs, but, I mean, duh, obviously. Not really surprised there. Um, I, Nick, you said keep, especially if tomorrow RLC leave. We've got him listed as a midfielder. We know he could potentially play in the back line. I guess, like, what kind of a role do you see Ampadu potentially having under Frank next this season? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends, right? I mean, he's he's clearly like a you know, more of a box to box destroyer type in the midfielder than he is like a pure six, um, at least to me. So, it, it you know, it's potential that Frank could like try and remake him in, into a six, although that would compete with Billy's kind of area of expertise at this point. It's also a, a really interesting pivot option to have 
uh, you know, if N'Golo Conte is hurt or something uh, that he can play in, in kind of those midfield two positions. The center back thing is probably less likely at this stage if we're playing a four. You know, I think he really – he did well in a three um, under Conte. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just intrigued with him as a player. He passes the John Terry face in front of the ball test with flying colors, and, <laughs> you know, that's a metric that I really care about. So – uh, Joe, thoughts and feelings? I love Ampadu. I won't lie. Um, I don't know if, if he's gone under some sort of like Samson-esque trait where he's cut his hair off and now he's lost his power. But uh, no, I mean, I think for me personally, I would, I'd have him back in the squad. I think that the potential for him to play as a kind of slightly more, as you say, sort of box-to-box destructive number six in this sort of team. Um, he has personality, he has aggression, he has a lot of the characteristics that our midfield doesn't. Um, you know, I can't think it was against Denmark, the little kind of spat where someone threw him into the advertising boards and literally five seconds later, he went out for a header and absolutely nearly took the guy's head off. I admire that kind of pettiness. And I think that, you know, <laughs> we, we lack, we lack a little bit of that, uh, sort of, you know, that kind of testy approach at times. So I think certainly in preseason, you see what you have with him. I think he probably would have learned a lot, um, you know, in Germany as well. He's been on the being, you know, he hasn't played as much as he would have liked, but he has been playing under an excellent coach. So, you know, I would like to see certainly, uh, you know, certainly what he has there. But as a number six, um, again, sort of similar to Declan Rice, and that you potentially could you could use him as a fourth or fifth choice centre back or whatever. Not need to carry as many centre backs. Probably sell Rudiger potentially and Christensen. Um, I think he gives you a bit of flexibility there. But I think for me, yeah, I, I still think his future is as a as a holding player, um, and I would like to see Lampard and, and Co give him a, a shot there, primarily for the fact that he has. You know, he's got, the, he's got the kind of toolkit that you want to have in that position. He's athletic. We know that he's super aggressive. We know that he's a very good tackler one-on-one. He's good enough on the ball. That can improve. Um, but I think that certainly in the future, he could be a guy that, that plays there regularly. So I would keep him because I would like to see him uh, have a chance to at least uh, compete and, and earn the spot. So Dan, Conte, Ampadu, maybe Rice. Playing in that holding mid, if you're in a 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, kind of depends. I mean, you, you said keep. I'm a, and we'll get into Gilmore next, but it's like, so then what does that change for him? Because he was that deep-lying ball player as well. But you, you obviously feel like Ampadu has a role in the team as well. Obviously, probably rotation, because yeah. that's what you just assume all players are, just rotational. <laughs> yeah, again, there, there's going to be a lot of minutes to go around. Um, maybe not as many as some would like. Uh, but I think if you're going to build into Ampadu being a a regular in this Chelsea side. He needs to develop some chemistry and camaraderie with, with Frank and Jody and and Joe and try to understand how they see him, how they view him, how he's going to be played long-term. And I think going out on loan again, at least right now doesn't suit him potentially for consideration in this, uh, this Chelsea setup. I think the, the, the consideration I think that Phil brought up in our, uh, season review is that you know Ampadu really has not played many minutes since leaving Exeter and so the consideration has to be is will he get enough minutes at Chelsea this season if he's going to get 1500 minutes 1700 minutes it's probably a good idea to to keep him if he's going to potentially get a thousand or less minutes he should go on loan so the Twitter poll and I should have said this so most of them had around 500 votes the Tamori and the Ampadu had over a thousand. So that just shows you the engagement on those two players. 61.1% said keep, 4.9% said sell, and 34% said loan. So definitely the biggest percentage of people looking to loan him. You assume most Chelsea fans want to keep all their players, especially ones they like, like Ampadu. So, you know, 61% probably is is not a completely accurate number, but to see 34% being so high compared to the others shows you that I think a lot of fans kind of like Ruben, want him to get time, essentially. So um, we'll have to see. Again, I guess I'm on the outside looking in there saying I think he should should loan. Uh, Billy Gilmore, this is one I talked about. Like, what's his new role? Under contract until the summer of 2023, we all had keep. Joe with the, the potential to say review at January, but again, Tweed's like, what's his new position in this team? Or is it still a deeper number six? It's interesting. So I think the... Uh... The injury has not come at a great time for him. Certainly, uh, you know, in terms of potentially establishing himself in that role. I mean, I think for, for me, he gives you the the option to, if you're playing against a super, super deep 
defensive team next season. Putting him in as the, the deepest midfielder for me should be no issue at all. Um, I think he has the range of passing and vision to actually sort of make that position work against some of those teams. You know, it's less about sort of the the kind of the, the shuttling of the ball, more of like the aggressive kind of passes into Abraham Giroud, into wingers, etc. that he can find. Um, I still think his position is, is as a number six. I saw, you know, particularly, I think it was against Leicester, you know, that, that experiment where he started as a number eight. Um, I think he's some way off of, of playing there, um, certainly in, in the future. So I think, you know, he's, he's for me, is your kind of your offensive-minded number six in terms of the, the squad. Um, thinking about the injury, though, and in terms of obviously the, the potential for other players to come in, the profile of player maybe that's going to have success there long-term. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. I mean, he could he could potentially also just deal with a loan, not because he's not talented enough to play at this level, but coming off an injury, you know, wanting to see him just go and play adult football for a season to, to sort of get the, the the kind of the little hiccups that we saw against Leicester and a little bit sort of post-COVID, the uh, you know the kind of the, the the I wouldn't say that it was like a downward trend, but just a little bit more of a reality check for him in terms of not having that immediate success that he did against Liverpool and Everton. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's potential for the loan there. But, I mean, I, I would like to just keep around and just see because I think, you know, one of the big things that we've, you know, I keep pointing to this season is we, we, we've we struggled to, to break down defensive teams. And I think his passing quality from that position is better than anyone else in the squad. And for that reason, I would try and keep him around. Um, you know, the, the problem again, and to, to Phil's point about empathy is, you know, you want to get these kids as many minutes as possible to to, to make sure, to make sure that they develop. Um whether he's going to be able to have that this season, particularly coming off the injury, you know, he's going to be sort of slow into the squad is, is debatable. Maybe he's kept around just because it's, it's, you know, difficult to find him alone coming off the injury. But uh, yeah, I, I would certainly look to review it in January. Nick, I think with Billy, he's a favorite of Frank. So you'd assume if he's with the team, he's going to continue to get opportunities. Frank can't talk highly enough about him. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it will likely come down to Ethan or Billy getting loaned, right? And so if that's the case, you probably see Ethan getting loaned before Billy. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, again, rotation, him, Kovacic, Conte, and a deeper lying, you know, three is, is kind of what it is. And so they're going to all have to kind of battle it out. Obviously, Kovacic and Conte can move up relatively easily if you – wanted a more defensive midfield um, and you could play him as kind of the distributor. Um, but yeah, I think the injury is going to be key and seeing how he recovers from that is going to be massive for him. I, I'm I'm hoping that they give him all the time in the world to get a hundred percent fit. We've seen players rush back from injury and it's just not a good situation. So that that's the crux right there. If he's healthy, he should um, plan to, to stay and compete, but if there's any concern that maybe he's not going to be ready to go and like that in Ampadu is going to be able to get the first month, month and a half of the season in, I would evaluate for a really good loan and, you know, maybe kind of championship or, or higher to try and give him the opportunity to get as many minutes as possible over the course of the season. Ampadu is only nine months older than Billy, just for comparison, by the way. So uh, there's that. All right. Next up, Connor Gallagher under contract until 2022 that summer. Um, I, I look, I said, I want to see him in loan and the Premier League. He's succeeded at all of his previous loans. Dan said, keep, if there isn't a Premier loan, Premier League loan out there. So again, your first choice is to loan. Um, Nick, you said he's Barkley's replacement and Joe said, keep, I'll explain loan in January. So tweeds, <laughs> we'll just come to you right away to explain your keep decision. <laughs> um, I think I need to get the Conor Gallagher season out on Twitter at some point. So uh, just to get ahead of the curve there on the football Twitter side of things. But we've only got a little I'm, bit of time before this goes live. You better be. Yeah, it. yeah. I might have to jump on it. But uh, I think I'm probably one of his biggest fans um, from from the academy until, you know, watching him at Charlton and Swansea. I think for whatever reason, he's been a little bit underrated or undervalued by, by I think, just sort of Chelsea fans and just general, general football fans in um, sort of, in total, um, you know, he was the young player of the year here when there were more sort of fancy names to be given the the, the award. Um, and if you look at his his game at Charlton, you look at how he's sort of then sort of stepped up into a more possession-based team at Swansea. He is prototypically the exact kind of midfielder that Frank Lampard wants to have in his team. And for me, he's a little bit of a dark horse to to, to become a become a Chelsea player. You know, his his debut season in the Championship, I think, it was. Uh, 
11 goals, six assists or eight goals. I mean, it, it, there was some, there was a pretty good return in terms of goals and assists straight away. Um, you know, if you look at some of the, the attacking metrics in the championship, the only players who are under 23 um, who have better sort of attacking output than him are wingers or centre forwards. And this is a guy who has played literally as a central midfielder. So he has that kind of ability to be creative, to score goals, to get assists. And then when you actually look at his defensive side of the game, the way he presses, the aggression that he has in the tackle, you know, he's he's really developed physically as well. I, I saw someone do a comical post of uh, Jorginho on holiday looking like an overgrown 11-year-old and like Conor Gallagher, who's obviously on like the Cristiano Ronaldo kind of diet template on, on sort of the same holiday. So he physically, you know, physically he's impressive. Um, but he just has all of those sort of skill sets that I think Lampard really wants. You, you know, we look at Mason Mount and how, you know, he surprised people this season in terms of his performances. You know, this isn't really like a, meant to be sort of a big shout, but I, I've always felt Gallagher was a little bit better than Mount um, as an academy player. And I think his debut season in the championship, when you think that Mount had already played professional football for Vitesse, came back to Derby, you know, Count Con- um, Connor's first season as a professional, playing at Charlton where he was a little bit more all action, like flying into tackles, being a little bit more of the, the kind of catalyst there, then being able to then still be impressive at Swansea when they're more in possession, you saw more of his ability in the final third. I think he's got a sneaky chance of, of doing well here. So I'd like to keep him around because I just think that his his engine, his ability on the ball, his defensive side of his game, you know, when people look at Mount and what he can do, Gallagher's in exactly the same boat. I think he's got a little bit more natural ability in the final third. Wow. So he's sneaky. Yeah, I mean, I think to that point, if it, if there is not a strong Premier League loan to actually challenge him and take him up um, where he might get more opportunity, I, I would kind of lean on the what you said there, Joe. And, and you know, Nick, it, it seems like we're probably all on a, a similar level of agreement that we're excited about the opportunity after seeing him perform so well in, in two different teams on, on loan last year. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand the point of a Barkley if you can – bring him up yeah exactly yeah all right well uh we can continue this little journey uh you know tino andrian we're kind of lumping him in with the academy players because he featured but you know not really majority of his time is spent in the season so um i think all of us had it alone for him but again so tweets i'm just gonna hand it over to you for tino slash any of the academy midfielders that maybe you want to just call out and highlight I think Tino is is the obvious one. Um, just, I, I think that he, I think also this is something that, that Phil has echoed. You know, in terms of his his ability, he's probably the, the the most technically proficient player we've produced in in a long time. Maybe similar to Callum when he was coming through the academy. Um, you know, his his footwork, his his ability to to finish all different kinds of finishes, the way that he can receive the ball, the way that he can beat pressure. Um, you know, there are quite often, as I've sort of said a few times, that there's obviously the lazy comparison to Ruben because he's tall and, you know, a lot of his highlights are him dribbling through midfield, et cetera, as, as, a, as a kid. Um, I think he's, yeah, he's got a lot more to, to, to his game as well. You know, he is, for me, a really sort of complete midfield player in terms of the academy sort of setup at the moment. You know, he scores goals, he gets assists, he can play as a six, he can play as an eight, he can play as a 10. You know, he's got the, obviously got the, the natural kind of physical gifts that he has. Um, but his his footwork, I think there's a goal against Wolves. I think it was on one of the academy sort of loops, one of the academy goals this season where he sort of receives the ball. Like there's, there's loads of, sort of intricate play. He beats someone then sort of like dinks it over the goalie. You know, for a guy his size, again, it's, it's one of the things that we love about Ruben, that combination of, of size and technique. I think Tino is, is a little bit special there. So, yeah, I think for him now, it's a question of he's he's definitely outgrown academy football, development football. It's about seeing if you can go and replicate this in. For me, probably the championship would be a good place to go. Um, if you could find him a Bundesliga loan, that would be ideal. But maybe the championship is a, is a good place to to test himself because, you know, he's often been the big kid in the academy. So you want to see that he's not just physically better than everyone else. You want yeah. to see him against men who can who can compete with him. So probably him. I mean, he's the obvious candidate. And then the only one really that probably, that probably comes to mind at the moment is probably Lewis Bate. Um, who interestingly may get a little bit of a look in the team now that Gilmore is injured. So very, very mm. similar, I think, in terms of their kind of probably profile. They're both, they're both fairly short for, for midfielders. Um, Bates is a little bit more aggressive. He's a little bit more kind of Dennis Wisey off the ball in that he'll like to uh, kick people and drop kick people where he can. Um, but he's also super, super gifted in terms of his ability on the ball. So I think where Gilmore maybe is a little bit more continental in terms of his approach, 
Um, I think Bate is a little bit more kind of Brexit in terms of his ability to, to get into tackles. And you know, he, he kind of relishes that side of the game as well. So he's the one that may, may benefit from, from Billy being injured. And Bate as well is another big favourite of the academy. So he's obviously going to be pushed as well. Um, those, two, those two stand out. You've got Miles Park-Harris. Um, I think, again, probably FA Youth Cup this season, I think probably will be his time to, time to shine. Similar kind of player, you know, we've got this conveyor belt of, of midfielders who are great at carrying the ball through midfield and can score goals and finish and have all that quality. So, yeah, but bait, bait is the interesting one because I think you'll get a look in in, uh, in Gilmore's absence. Love it. Love it. Well, hey, that's going <clears> to <throat> wrap us on the midfielders. Um, again, tweets, phenomenal. Appreciate it. Listeners, you're the best. Again, tweet, Instagram comment, Discord, getting our Patreon. Best way to have follow-up conversations to all these players. Um attackers coming up next in part three so look forward to this episode hope you guys are enjoying the keeps alone series uh but that's gonna wrap us up like i said so until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high